Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the podcast that brings you all the news about Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz here with Pete Puccio, and Pete's going to cue the spooky Halloween music because we're all about witchcraft today in advance. (laughs) He is a musician. In advance of Halloween, we have a witchcraft expert here on campus. Her name is Dr. Leslie Lindenauer. She's a history professor, and she's been studying witchcraft, actual, you know, people who were killed for witchcraft in Connecticut, just like in Salem, but with a few differences, partly because they were in Hartford. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a fascinating look at these uh, poor people who were accused of things. Not all of the accused were killed, she points out, but... uh, you know, many of them were strung up for no better reason than somebody said they were kind of um, doing some funny stuff with a mortar and pestle or something. Yeah. I got a question for you before we go any further. Yes. Say that word again, the one that starts with an H that the holiday's coming up. Halloween. See, so you say Halloween. Yes. I always say Halloween. You're I'm probably fascinated correct. by that difference. Yeah. I, I read an article years ago about something, but I don't remember any details. I grew up so, in California, yeah, so did. here's uh, another one. That's another thing. What do you? The thing you you put on the special clothes you wear for glitter? For, no, for trick or treating. Oh, costumes. <laughs> okay, my like some people say costume oh, with, yeah. with like a ch sound. I think that's fascinating. That's uh, and then bogus, so. here's the real question: uh-huh. What do you call the night before Halloween? <laughs> I don't know what. Some people call it Devil's Night. Oh, right where you, that's you like true, toilet yes. paper everything. Yeah. Growing up, we always called it Cabbage Night. <laughs> and I recently, my sister just sent me an article just like a second ago uh, about why, and apparently has something to do with some Irish tradition. I mean, I gotta look up all the details, but that, that is kind of makes sense. Those crazy Irish. You knock on somebody's door. <laughs> And then throw cabbage at him. And that's, oh. I guess that's where that comes from. But yeah, when I was a kid, that was, you'd go out for cabbage night. And that was when you TP'd and egged and <laughs> did you all those engage things. in cabbage? Of course not. I never did anything like that. <laughs> no, I never did either. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who TP'd his, our friend's house alone. And like he was 18 or something. And he was almost done throwing the last roll of toilet paper over the tree in front. And our friend's dad opened the door and said, oh, no. John, is that you? <laughs> and then the dad stood in the door while John pulled Cleaned out all, all the toilet paper say, from everything. If I had ever done it, I probably would have had to go back and clean it. Yeah. That's probably my, uh, <laughs> that's my conscience. <laughs> I went along on an egging one time, Ooh. but I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> How about blowing up mailboxes? No, I was always too scared because I had heard the horror stories about like or people that went to hit him with bats and like hit it just wrong or something and broke their arm or the bat came back and broke the car window. You know, I've heard too many horror stories of pranks gone wrong. Very good boy. Oh God, I was the square as they come. Yeah. (laughs) When did you start having fun in life? Uh, Much, much, much later. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Enough of the reminiscing here in the basement of Whitehall. We're going to bring you Leslie Lindenauer and the story of witchcraft in Connecticut. (laughs) 
Uh, Dr. Lindenauer, first, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. In time for Halloween. <laughs> and uh, you've been studying uh, the history of women in political situations and just in relation to uh, how they're treated in society for a long time. And I assume that is how you started thinking about uh, witchcraft or women who were uh, accused of witchcraft in Connecticut, too. That's exactly how I got there. I was trained as an early American historian mm -hmm. with a particular interest in gender. Mm -hmm. And so I started my work looking at religious culture in early New England. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I went to, as a part of that, um, a closer examination of the witch trials, although initially I was looking at women as accusers of mm. other women. Mm. Um, so that was where I, I began this journey. That is interesting. I read a book about the Salem witch trials, and it was, I guess, mostly young girls who often accused the um, women who were accused of being witches. Uh, but it was female accusing female a lot. Yeah, in fact, overall, uh, the statistics show about 52% of accusers in trials that went to court were women. Hmm. And do you have an idea about what that's all about? You know, there are various interpretations of that. I think that, at least in part, it has to do with um, this forum being one of the very few places where women's voices would mm -hmm. be listened to, were mm -hmm. where women were called upon. Mm -hmm. um, it's always in the context of tremendous fear and mm -hmm. discomfort in the society so that it, it can't be the only reason that a woman would go to court to, you know, accuse a neighbor. But when you think about the severity of accusations of witchcraft, which was a capital crime, the fact that your accusation, especially in the height of witchcraft accusations when evidence was not exactly what we would accept as evidence today, mm -hmm. your accusation could end up in the death of a neighbor. Right. It could be, you know, convicted and, and executed. Mm. Kind of gives me the shivers, which I guess is why it's a um, Halloween kind of thing, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that Halloween became a popular holiday really in the 20th century. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of the things also that, that my research has taken me into, and that is to look at the way we've treated these witchcraft trials in popular culture. And if you go, for example, to Salem... Mm -hmm. in October. And if you go to Salem now, you will find, even in the midst of a pandemic, thousands and thousands of people on a daily basis, the vast majority of their visitors come in the month of October. Yeah. And I'm not convinced that most of those visitors understand that they're visiting a place where the lives of 20 people were taken by the state, by the colonial government, mm -hmm. um, in a very short period of time. Yeah, I am sure of that. It's all fun and games, yeah. basically, for people who visit yeah. Halloween. Yeah, I think that's true, although it's, there's a very interesting dynamic in Salem and actually around New England, too, where um, self-identified practitioners mm -hmm. of Wicca or paganism uh, are now sort of infusing our understanding of the past with contemporary practice. Mm. Um, and that happens in Salem, too. You mean they uh, incorp They want to bring the history of the... Yeah, they do. And and that's important. It's an important element of, of practice, although most evidence suggests that 
none of the people who were accused in New England and Connecticut or in Massachusetts were self-identified witches, mm -hmm. right? So it's not that there's a history, a long line of history that connects past and present. Um, some of that is part of trying to find an identity in the, the 21st century. Right. That is one of the things I wanted to ask about. These uh, women who were accused of being witches were not actually practicing, I gather. No, although the line between religion and magic and, mm. and practices that would include something that might be identified as white magic, mm -hmm. that line is pretty blurry in the 17th century. So even a devout Puritan might have consulted an astrologer mm. um, or an alchemist at some point in mm -hmm. the past. Um, so, and in fact, you know, John Winthrop Jr. was a renowned alchemist in the 17th century. So, so that line is pretty blurry. None of them would have identified as, why would you identify yourself with a crime that, for which you could be ex executed? Right. So. There weren't circles of women meeting in the forest at midnight, though, praying for, uh, to show up, the devil to show no, up. No, that's what people who accused others of witchcraft claimed was happening. Mm -hmm. But, of course, there's no evidence for that, and much of that evidence was collected and, and accepted in a way that went beyond even what you know English common law would have found acceptable at the time. Um, so, yeah, there's no one. I mean, there's some evidence to suggest that in Europe um, there are collections of women hmm. who practice, uh, a, a, you know, a spirituality or religion that is more akin to what people want to find here in the American colonies, but it just doesn't exist here. So you studied these um, charges and trials that happened in Connecticut in the 1640s or so, which was 50 years or so before uh, Salem? Yep. Uh, this From the 1640s, 40s to the 1660s, there were a, a rash of Connecticut trials. Mm -hmm. And women died. And women died. Of the full court process cases, um, there were just shy of 100 cases, and 43 of those cases took place in Connecticut. Mm. And um, out of those, at least 16 people were executed, and about half of those were in Connecticut. Mm. That, and that's before Salem. If you add Salem in, then, then Massachusetts outweighs Connecticut in, in executions, but um, not in, in criminal trials. Yeah. So this whole thing that we would say is today is crazy and just not based in anything except fear is, um, was rampant. It was rampant. I mean, there's no question. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. Mm. Undoubtedly, there were hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of accusations that just didn't make it past the first step, mm -hmm. um, So, it, which is good. Right? <laughs> it's just a good thing. Right. And in fact, there's ample evidence to show that in a number of cases, a significant number of cases, people were who were accused by a neighbor of witchcraft countersued for defamation. Oh. Um, and those cases went through the court process, too. Mm -hmm. so. I didn't know that. Uh, that would be a good way to do it, though. Yep. yep. And they were successful. Mm -hmm. In places where fear didn't overtake the community so dramatically that, um, that they could you know, sort of think critically about the process. There were judges that threw out cases. There's even an mm. instance where a judge overturned a jury's decision in a mm. case of witchcraft. Um, it was only when people started accepting evidence that was spectral, you know, evidence of, of you know, 
an accused person taking the form of, of an animal uh, and flying into someone's bedroom and, you know, accepting that when there were no other witnesses to that event. It was only when that sort of acceptance of evidence occurred or was allowed to go through the court process that, that executions would happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that happened in Massachusetts. Did that happen in Connecticut too? Yes. Oh, yeah. And in fact, there are are a handful of cases in Connecticut where some of the profiles of the accusers are similar in the Hartford, um, which is second only to Salem, actually, the Hartford witch trials Hmm. um, in sort of the magnitude over a brief period of time. At least four people were executed in Hartford Hmm. in a matter of months. Um, One of the accusers was a young girl Hmm. um, who, in fact, died during the process of the trial, her, her evidence was presented by her father in court. Yeah. And so do you think, is this people hearing stories about it happening somewhere else and then? You know, I, I don't, I think that one of the things that we have to understand, and it's easy even for me, and I've been working with this stuff to look at the, the these cases and say, this is this is absurd. Mm-hmm. You know, aren't we lucky that we're so far beyond these moments and that we're not we're not suspicious of our neighbors and we're not superstitious anymore, which, of course, is patently not true yes. either, right. which is why there are, you know, sort of proverbial witch hunts today, mm-hmm. too. I think we have to remember that all of this unfolds in every community in the context of a profound faith mm. in both God and therefore in in, in you know in the devil, mm-hmm. you know the fact that God allowed the devil to test humans on Earth, um, that profound belief infuses everything that mm-hmm. um, that people in the 17th century lived and believed. Was this? Uh, I'm thinking about the uh, uh, accusations against women. Is I mean, men were accused of crazy things and murdered or killed, hung uh, for you know, crimes they didn't commit or ridiculous crimes, et cetera. But most of the time, women were not dragged out of their houses and hung, right, for other crimes. Yeah, although there are a fair number of cases of women being accused of other capital crimes. There are about a dozen capital crimes in the 17th century in Connecticut Mm. and in Massachusetts. One of them was witchcraft. Mm. Um, Mm. And 25% of the people accused and convicted and executed were men. But mm. most of those, over half of the men um, who went through the full court process, were related to women who had been accused uh-huh. already. Mm-hmm. So there are fewer women accused of things like murder, except as as you know, black magic or witchcraft. Um, but they're accused of other crimes mm. that may have carried, might have carried capital punishment, but didn't wasn't necessarily carried out. That, mm-hmm. that was the other thing. You could be accused of a capital crime and then not be executed, just the same as That's today. True. Yep. Were most of the women accused of witchcraft uh, executed? No. Again, it's really... I mean, so if you compare this to the numbers in Europe, which are more staggering, although in England during the same period in the 17th century, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people um, went through the full court process and were executed. When you look at the numbers in population, if you think about 16 people, or even four people, for example, in Hartford, where the population numbers in the hundreds rather than the thousands, these are, these are events that have significant impact. Mm-hmm. You know, in, a, in a Salem village, which has a relatively low population, you know, 
the, the combination of Salem Village and Salem Town, 20 people within a matter of months, significant impact. Mm. But it's not nearly the number of people who were accused and w- who had cases that just never made it through the courts. Right. That's interesting. The, uh, they weren't shy about how they killed people either. It was very gruesome. It was gruesome. The, the punishment for capital crime was hanging. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only punishment you see um, for any of the capital crimes, including witchcraft. So this idea that witches were burned at the stake, which they were during the Inquisition mm-hmm. in, in Europe, mm-hmm. um, didn't happen here at all. The, the one exception, there are a couple people who died under torture um, as part of, I mean, they, they had rested you know, some sort of confession and were executed right. anyway. But Giles Corey in Salem is the one documented case where he was tortured to death um, because he refused to confess. Mm-hmm. So. And um, is it true then that this fear and uh, loathing of witchcraft uh, really stemmed from their religious belief, their devout devotion, devotion, devout religious belief in God and their form of um, Puritanism. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the, that's often part of the accusations leveled at at accused witches, um, that they were, you know, in some way, either ignoring or subverting their, you know, the piety, and not just the piety, their own personal piety, but mm. they then became a danger to the community. The Puritans believed deeply in a community covenant with God, mm-hmm. not only an individual covenant where an individual was responsible to God, but the community. And so there is a an imperative to root out evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you wanted to do that, for whatever reason, it's not just because you believe someone's impious, but for whatever reason, you, would, you might use religious language to make your case. Mm. And people say crazy things today, too. Absolutely. And act on them sometimes. Absolutely. And if you think about, you know, our spirituality in any number of organized religions, mm-hmm. there's an element of of what, you know, we might, if we compared it to 17th century Puritanism, label as magical, right? Right. Um, yeah. that, that profound faith means that we accept things for which there is no proof. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. How come we don't flock to Hartford on Halloween every year? You know, year? that's a really good question. There have been a, a couple of really important programs uh, that were created by people in Hartford, including a wonderful play uh, in honor of the people who were accused and, and executed in Hartford. But I think that there's no real place. Mm. I, I think that Gallows Hill in Hartford was where Trinity College is today, uh-huh. I believe. And there's no central location the way there is in Salem. There's no, I mean, in Salem, you have, you know, a town. Oh, and, I see, right. And mm-hmm. in Hartford, that's not where most of what happened took place anyway. So. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've read, though, that the place where many of the witches in Salem, witches in quotes, were killed, uh, is actually not marked off. So it is now. Hmm. Um, they've been, over the past number of years now, they've been conscientiously creating um, a, a memory of Salem that is more in tune with 
the way, particularly historians and museum people, want us to think about what happened in the 17th century. And that includes a memorial to mm. each of the victims uh, hard by the, the graveyard in Salem. So there are a couple places where this is taken seriously and where people can go to be contemplative about the meaning of this event, of that event. Um, there's also a brand new exhibit at the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem hmm. uh, about Salem witchcraft, which includes um, reflections and memories about how we consider the, the witchcraft events of the 17th century and the 21st century. So. That's interesting. And what uh, would you like us to take from um, the understanding you've given us about the witch trials and how women were treated then? And so I think that in many ways there are lessons to be learned from the construction of womanhood mm -hmm. in the 17th century that resulted in an understanding that women might be more vulnerable to the devil and therefore more likely to be witches. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to think about how we construct representations of women today in the 21st century too, mm -hmm. um, particularly around issues of, of um, domestic interest, including and especially motherhood, mm -hmm. right? And I think that we have lessons to, to learn about what, those representations mean and how dire they can be, not with regard to the execution of right. someone today for a crime that no longer exists, um, but with regard to how we gin up fear about, in this case, um, the power of women. Mm -hmm. There is a lot we can uh, still mm, learn and discuss about that in modern times. I think so. Very interesting. I'd also like to be able to cast spells. Is there anything you've come across <laughs> that you could help me with? That? There are actually, I, I, uh, there was, I should have brought the names of the people who were on uh, Connecticut Public Radio, but there is a woman who run, who teaches a course hmm. in, um, it's really, as she describes it, the physics of, of witchcraft. Hmm. And so she does. I mean, some of it is herbalism. Um, and so there are there are places you can go and take courses on, on spell casting. Anyone who is a who is self-identified as Wiccan or pagan doesn't accept that as you know religious practice. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not part of their spirituality. But um, but there is a mechanics, and so you can learn those mechanics from a number of people. Apparently, <laughs> I guess I'll have to look that up. Yeah. And these Wiccans are not uh, worshiping the devil. They're uh, it's a natural kind of uh, yeah. Religion. You know, Wiccan and pagan practice is such has such a wide variety of of um, elements these days, and many uh, people are more, more broadly construe the groups to which they belong. Mm -hmm. It is accepted as a religion, mm -hmm. Wiccan, and in fact, there's um, evidence that shows that if you are uh, self-identified as Wiccan or pagan, you can call on a religious, in the prison system, you can call on um, someone to come in and, you know, and work with you mm -hmm. as uh, in your religious practice. But no, I mean, it's interestingly enough, the the sort of panicked anti-Satanism uh, that emerged in the 1980s and 1990s mm -hmm. um, is very similar to what happened in the 17th century, except that by the 1990s, it's more likely young men who are being accused than young women. 
That is interesting. Huh. I guess that's a cultural thing too, huh? Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for coming in today and talking with us and getting us all prepared for Halloween. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's fascinating. Ever, I had never, I knew, I didn't know there was any Connecticut witchcraft yeah. at all. I mean, it's it's silly to assume there wouldn't be. I mean, yeah, the whole New England. Thing. Yeah, like not like that's limited to the right. town of Salem. You know, <laughs> it happened everywhere. This was all settled at the same time, and you know, that always that always kills me when you drive by and it says you know like whatever town nearby settled 1640, and it's like. Yeah, I know. They didn't waste any time. Like they landed <laughs> and just started exactly. moving to Connecticut right away. Yeah, you know, it's, it's and crazy. then moving out. They, yeah. uh, you know, we hate you. We're moving to someplace else. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a lot of hate. Yes, there motivated. Was. Movement. They were very angry. <laughs> Puritans. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was really cool. I, I had no idea. I'm going to have to do a whole uh, a whole research thing now. Mm-hmm. You'll have to. Audit a Leslie Lynn in our class. Yeah, see if she lets me. Yeah, why not? She likes you. <laughs> I don't know. She kept giving me a, a hairy eyeball the whole time. During the podcast? No, I'm just kidding. She didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't let that one sit. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Now we've got to bring uh, Bianca, Bianca Wynn, back on for her second uh, yeah. stint. Yeah, Bianca joins us here today for the second time. She's our, one of our student co-hosts. And, man, she has a lot to educate us on about shopping. Yep. And Get your notepad ready. Yes, that's right, because <laughs> you will want to take notes on this. She's very knowledgeable and about air fryers and how to cook with them. She's an expert. Mm-hmm. Times and temps, baby. <laughs> she knew it all. Yeah, Best Buy is a great place, and also there's some at Target, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. definitely the best deals are definitely Best Buy. Mm. Um, I was very shocked when I was, like, looking up air fryers on there because I was like, this is probably the best place and most affordable to buy an air fryer because um, some of them are over $100, and yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, why is it $150 <laughs> for an air fryer? Mm-hmm. They're the same ones as, like, the $40 version at Best Buy um, because at Best Buy, most time it's, like, an $80 air fryer mm-hmm. or over 100 and they'll reduce it to, like, $40. Wow. So um, basically it's usually the same price, but Best Buy just has way more sales going on. So you're um, a good shopper. I'm a good shopper, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I don't like to buy things, um, you know, that are appliances for mm-hmm. the full price. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. Um, and with, like, the whole Black Friday deals and everything, mm. it's just, um, you know, great and affordable. Um, my mom got the uh, Instant Pot yeah. on Amazon. They were having, what is it, the Amazon Day? Oh, yeah. And, oh, Prime Day, yeah. Yeah, Prime Day. And she got it for like fifty dollars mm. when it's supposed to be over a hundred. So she also likes to get those deals too. That's so, very good. Yeah. And you have to be fast though, because there's like three of them, right, at fifty dollars. <laughs> I yeah. I then they know. sell out. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to have you back for a Christmas shopping. Uh, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Bianca's deals. Deal. Bianca's bargains. <laughs> Good. We're also going to uh, talk about some events today, right? I have not paid attention to what's coming up. 
The only thing I know about right off the top of my head is there's a ton of athletic stuff coming up. Um, field hockey got moved from yesterday to today. Well, Tuesday to Wednesday, and now <laughs> it's going to be Thursday. Because so, of the rain? I think so, yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of soccer coming up, and then next week is the big – keep an eye on the schedule because things keep changing, but there's potential for – like semifinals and championships and all kinds of stuff. Both the men's yeah. and women's soccer teams could potentially be in the finals. Mm -hmm. And so, so uh, you know, keep looking at westconathletics.com for those or the team's social medias and things because and we got a bunch of what could be uh, pretty big games coming up. And then basketball starts uh, next weekend. Right. That's so, exciting. Yeah, we're, we're switching gears. And what did you do to the football team this year? I didn't do anything to the football team. Really? Yeah. It's not my fault. <laughs> I think it's a, it must be like a growing. Yeah. They played growing hard. Growing pains transition year. They, yeah. This last one was, was rough. Looked like it was, looked like it was going to happen at the last minute. But against Maritime. Came up a little short. I can see if it was a rowing competition, <laughs> but football. Like... Um. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just I'm looking at the WoW right now. Yeah. The WCSU.edu slash WoW. Always look at the WoW. Always look at the WoW. There was something that caught my eye coming up. Oh, yeah. So Friday, this Friday, uh, Oktoberfest Jazz and the mm. V-Pack. So that was – I used to play in that. That's been oh. a tradition for as long as I've been around. So at least 20 – probably 23 years plus. And that's just uh, – that's fun. We used to dress – I don't know if they still dress up in costumes – <laughs> but we still dress up. It's interesting trying to play certain instruments in, in various costumes. Yeah. But that's uh, that'll be a good show. That's always good. That is always good. That sounds fun. Like, you know, dressing up in costumes. I can't imagine, you know, playing an instrument with, like, a blow-up costume, though. I don't know if you guys have <laughs> seen that. It's, like, the new trend or something. But it I've is? seen people, you know, in, like, unicorn blow-ups and everything. And I've... I've rarely seen that growing up, but now mm -mm. I've seen it more, and I feel it's more trending because it's just so cute. The unicorn <laughs> blow up. I think it must be with the like new the new technology and batteries and fans yeah, and stuff. People, it's gotta, yeah, <laughs> people want to be unicorns and dinosaurs now, and I, I'm like that's so stinking cute. Um, but I don't know how you would get out of the costume easily because it's a blow up one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw one where to. a whole family dressed up in the T Rex. <laughs> suits and then ran out to get their kid off the bus <laughs> pretty good you saw that live no on oh, on, on youtube on the something. internet that's yeah. funny <laughs> uh, i think my son would have a heart attack if we ran out to get him from the bus wearing t-rex costumes with a camera yeah he would just be mad that he didn't have one on oh. <laughs> uh let's see what else soccer soccer how about uh isn't there a a coffee clutch or something. What is uh, what do we call it? The uh, coffee house. Coffee house. Every yeah. Thursday, yes. Every <laughs> Thursday, coffee house in the. I don't even know if it has a name right now, but it's below the below the student center restaurant on the bottom floor of the student center. Right. Uh, when I was a student here a million years ago, it was called the snack bar. <laughs> I think oh. they still call uh, it that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so anyway, that's yeah. It's there every Thursday night, usually at eight o'clock. There's often open mic and then featured performers. So yeah. Go check it out. Uh, there's an election watch party on Tuesday, November 2nd in West Side Classroom Building 218. Um, so that's the, the media production comm department does uh, an election show every year. And that's the 
I believe, to go along with that to watch the results of the election coming in and the, mm. and the coverage that our student. Uh, That's right. It's a know. very big deal. Yeah. And it's and mostly locals this year, so it's going to be yeah. not quite as high profile, but probably more important to your actual life. Mm-hmm. There was something about samba, right? Oh, dance. Down at the bottom, or maybe it was the last. Uh, the, the tango thing? Tango, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tango, passion, and culture. But it's all online, so there won't be as much passion as if it was in person. <laughs> but it still looks kind of interesting, right? And that's uh, Wednesday, November 3rd, 9.30 a.m. Hey. You don't have to dress up either. Okay. Is lunch with a vet, uh, with a animal doctor, or a veteran? Based on the imagery, I'm assuming it's a veteran. Oh, yeah. It doesn't really say, though. Huh? Ah, members of military services. Oh, there you go. Good. Yeah, so that's uh, November 3rd, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. We have a pretty, a pretty involved veteran community here, don't we? Mm-hmm. I know there's a center for them. They have a, yeah. a special lounge they can take advantage of. and. Yeah. Dr. Rick Lawrence will be here on campus on November 3rd at 5.30 p.m. in Science Building 125. Yeah, I can't wait for that. It'll be Fans interesting. Fans of the podcast have heard him uh, talk already, sort of whet your appetite for that, but there'll be, I'm sure, a lot more details and data there at the actual talk, so that's free to the public. Come on down. What did you think of that podcast, Bianca? Which one? The one... The data scientist. Oh, the I one ha- that. Uh, haven't, haven't a, heard that uh-oh. one. Uh-oh. uh-oh. I haven't heard that one yet. Isn't that homework, Pete, for our <laughs> it is co-hosts? Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pac doesn't have any, uh, what do they call them? They create things and they you can make your own teddy bear oh, or something. Oh, they had one up here. The, oh. um, there was, the uh, sun catcher. Oh. Where was that? Bianca, uh, you want to handle that one? Yeah, that's fine. On Wednesday, November 3rd, we have a Suncatcher novelty event where you could um, create a Suncatcher with WCSU PAC in the Midtown Student Center from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's a free event, so come join and make a Suncatcher, mm-hmm. even though the weather's kind of cold now and it's not that sunny. <laughs> Maybe this will change. Things. Make it for spring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar with dream catchers. I've never heard of or seen a sun catcher. They're the glass ones, I think, that Ooh, reflect in the uh, sun. Also, don't forget free STD testing. Unrelated to the sun catchers. Yes. Yes. It's confidential okay. too. Now you went and got your blood drawn, right? Yes. Not, Not STDs. STD no. testing. Okay. <laughs> what are well, you doing on Wednesday? <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a documentary going to be shown in Ives Concert Hall on November 4th, uh, starting at 5.30. It's called 20 Pearls. And let's see what it's Doesn't about. doesn't really say what it is. Though. It is brought to you by the Office of Intercultural Affairs and uh, Education and Social Work Departments. The film is about... Ah, it's the story of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, hmm. narrated by Felicia Rashad. Oh, known to some of you as uh, what was her name? Huxable. Mrs. Cosby. Oh, yeah. yeah. What was her name in the show? I can't remember. I can't remember. Bianca, you probably weren't even born yet when the Cosby Show was on. Oh my gosh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But I, you know, it's funny because I've heard of the Cosby Show, but I grew up with Full House. Oh, so yeah. even yep. though Full House, I think ended the year I was born, I still watched that. It all had some real my, staying power. My childhood, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. 
in syndication for a long time. It's a childhood favorite. It really is. Felicia Rashad is the new Dean of Visual and Performing Arts at Howard University. Really? Mm-hmm. She oh. just got appointed. Isn't that where Chantel went? Yes. We should check in with her about yes, that. Yes, we should, <laughs> yeah. She was a previous co-host. She, Felicia Rashad also got into huge controversy right away because Bill Cosby, who was her co-star in the show, was uh, let out of prison and all the charges were dropped from his rape charges that week, the same week. And so she's friends with him and she said, hey, he's a good guy, uh, get off his back because people were still criticizing him, of course, as a rapist. And um, then she got a lot of blowback for that because she's in charge of students, yeah, you know, in the whole academic setting where, um, you know, you have to protect female students against sexual assault. You got to educate male students about sexual assault and how to treat people, et cetera. So she stepped right in it on her first week. But she's still there. So. She is still there, yep. Couldn't have been, couldn't have been too bad. Uh, this is fascinating to me. November 8th, 1 p.m., a, a workshop called Lost at Sea. What would happen if you were stranded on a desert island with other people? Learn about how consensus making could save your life. That one sounds actually really interesting. That is fascinating. Now, yeah. Yeah. it does say one lucky crewmate will win a $50 gift card. But it doesn't say... Ah, the link to this virtual workshop will be on the Instagram at leadership underscore WCSU. So there oh, you go. Okay, go win 50 yeah. bucks. And Can you and I join, Pete? Uh, it doesn't say we'll we run can. This place, uh, it says huh? audience is WCSU students. Oh, okay. oh darn it. It doesn't That's say so specifically sad. that you and I can't join. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to try it. <laughs> I, I like how they're doing those workshops now through the LCCC. Um, you know, program because I think before it was kind of hard for me to look for workshops to attend because I'm part of the certification program and the leadership program. Yeah, the mm -hmm. leadership one. Um, if you guys haven't heard of it, by the way, it's a certification um, where you have to do various different tasks, such as volunteering a certain amount of hours, um, attending like 15 workshops, I believe, and um, doing an internship or extracurricular um you know, task on um, campus. And then I forgot what the last one was. Oh, you have to attend like 20 or 25 WCSU events. Oh, wow. So this way it shows um, the leadership, compassion, and creativity portion mm -hmm. of your um, school year. And definitely, it's a free certification, you know, and I highly recommend students to get it because it's great on the resume. And I found it to be really interesting to go to the workshops. Um, so I find the, the new ones they've been putting out through that program um, is really interesting because uh, it was really hard for me to find workshops on campus yeah. um, because it's, it's difficult to make the time for it sometimes, especially mm -hmm. if you're going to school and going to work. Um, so the Career Success Center has some workshops mm -hmm. on um, you know career resume building and other things like that. Um, also, the art department has some workshops, and I found the tech technical computer room in Midtown um, 
they have some workshops such as if you want to learn PowerPoint, hmm. things like that. That's good. So, so you have your leadership certification already? Not yet. I'm oh. still in the process. So you could go to this Lost at Sea thing yeah. and clean up. You could win the $50. <laughs> I mean, this one sounds interesting no matter what. Like, I would definitely go to this because yeah. I, I want to know how to, like, save myself if I'm <laughs> stranded. <laughs> I think it's great, too, because the, putting the number on it like that, you, you might go to something that you wouldn't think you would like, but you end up it ends up being great and mm -hmm. pointing you in a whole new direction because you have that, oh, i got to get to 15 or whatever. Right. So that's cool. Mm, that's yeah, true. it's nice because, you know, I think 15 is a good number because it's not too high and it's not too low. And you get a good amount of experience with, um, you know, going to the workshops and learning about various things. Uh, I found that the one I went to, when I was working at the Career Success Center, there was the one about resume building. And mm -hmm. also, um, I forgot what it's called, but I had to learn about how to dress for a mm -hmm. interview. Mm -hmm. And although I knew that, like, how to dress for an interview, it was just great to know some extra details, um, you know, like, such as keeping your jewelry really simple and um, showing up on time to the interview. So I think those are really great workshops mm. for students. That's true. Paul, what was the, at, at Helen's Memorial, what was the, it was never wear green oh, yeah. to a job interview? Was that her rule? Yes. That, I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> I will never wear green to an interview again. That was What's great. the reason? I, she, we didn't really get a reason. I think she said you look um, um, not trustworthy. Oh, oh weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And for women, she said coral is the perfect color. Coral is a great color. It's like red and orange mixed That's together. Right. <laughs> That's I like true. it. <laughs> I think red is such a color where everyone who wears it looks good in it. <laughs> Colors like pink and purple are very difficult to pull off. I agree with I you. I would never wear the purple or pink to an interview because, you know, depending on like my mood like i i don't think pink and purple ever makes me feel happy because don't tell my daughter that which which pink looks good on you you know like well, after a certain age anyway oh is that it yeah. so three you're okay with pink she and can purple wear pink, okay. yeah. oh some people love pink like it's their main favorite color some guys wear pink shirt dress shirts which I, I have a lot of purple to... dress shirts, not you pink. Do? I've had one pink over the years. <laughs> I'm, I don't endorse but that. But I had a really nice pink and gray tie that I liked. That's what I wore. Pink, pink and gray, that's that. okay, yeah. yeah. You, when do you wear a tie? Church. Oh. <laughs> Weddings. <laughs> uh, pink and it. gray is good for both of those. Yeah. On not Wednesdays, we wear shirt. pink. <laughs> do you Pardon? guys know that movie? What? Um, on Wednesdays, we wear pink, the, the no. quote. No. The quote's from this movie called Mean Girls. Oh, boy. It's yep. such a funny movie. I did watch. I've watched Mean Girls several times. Yeah. It's, I forgot it's a about classic. That. You you will watch it many times in your life and oh, never get sick of it. So who was the star of that? Lindsay Lohan. Oh, yeah. It's before she went crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, those those were the days. You're yeah. <laughs> entering Felicia Rashad territory here. <laughs> You're going to get canceled from your own show. <laughs> yeah, also... Um, Rachel Adams from The Notebook is in there, and really? she plays Virginia George. Yeah, she's like um, the head of the, oh, yeah, but you know, the plastics, is that what they're called? Yeah, the yeah. head of the plastics. But the thing I did not realize was that it was Rachel McAdams, because when I grew up and I watched The Notebook, she had brown hair. She's blonde in Mean Girls, and you know? it's really weird. Yeah. And so <laughs> when I went to look at the films that she's in, 
they listed Mean Girls. I'm like, when, since when was she in Mean Girls? And I was like, oh, she played Virginia? Like, you know, so I was really shocked. Yeah. I was like, wow, she looks completely different with blonde hair. My wife has this amazing ability to not recognize people from movie to movie. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not quite face blind. Like, she can tell you that's so-and-so. Right. But if I say, oh, wasn't she great in whatever? It's like, she wasn't in that. <laughs> or I tell her that's the guy from whatever. She, it is? Like, it's, it's, it's so I, like, whenever we watch something together, I just watch her. <laughs> And wait for her to realize who the somebody is. It me up. I love it. Uh, married, married tricks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is riveting for our audience. By yes. the way. <laughs> Getting to know us. Yeah. All right. So a bunch of events. Bianca's got some stuff coming up. You're going to interview a couple people. Yes. We've um, talked about where to get your air fryers. Yes. Guys, okay. get it at Best Buy. Just, <laughs> just don't get it anywhere else. You're we getting a get, bad deal. <laughs> we should get Best Buy to buy ads yeah. on here. And Bianca be a whole, do a whole segment. Bianca's Best Buy bargains. <laughs> Best Buy is great. For money. Printers, yeah. everything. Actually, I though, I, found, <laughs> I actually recently found a way better deal for printers. Um, like through the HP uh, program for the Insta Ink um, oh printers. Gosh. So I wanted to find an affordable printer that doesn't make me break the bank with ink. Mm-hmm. Ink is expensive. You're like writing copy. This is fantastic. Oh my gosh. You're like I an advertising wizard. I literally hunted down <laughs> what is the best way to, you know, get a printer that won't require you to break the bank, you know. Um, so I went through the HP Instant Ink uh, program, and I guess you buy a printer, you know, that is only specifically for the program mm-hmm. okay and then when you run out you um you're get you get a notification um basically telling you that you're you're getting new ink so hp instantly knows when your printer runs out of ink and ships it to you and it's only for like a few bucks or mm-hmm. something like that for the ink it's never like the whole 60 dollars again you know so they have a great program and if you guys haven't checked it out definitely do that because you're wasting money on, you know, regular printer ink. Is that the program you have? Yeah, you so I bought a printer. There's various printers, by the mm-hmm. way. It's not just one. Um, but I got the one where you could, you know, print and scan. And um, so I haven't opened it yet, but the reviews were great. And people were like, yeah, just save your money with the Insta Ink program. Like, That's great. Yeah. I do I not shop, shop yeah. that way. I'm taking notes. If you don't <laughs> have an Insta Ink, um, by the way, um, printer, I recommend going to Costco if they still do this, by the way. Because mm. um, online they said Costco does not do this anymore. But um, you go to Costco, go to the photo center. Mm-hmm. If you have a ink cartridge that um, you know is able to be refilled by mm-hmm. the photo center, they'll refill it for you. Um, I think in the past when I went, it was like twelve dollars for a refill. Oh, Just bring good. your old cartridges and then get it refilled. Um, this is actually really nice because it's more sustainable. Um, you won't be wasting so much plastic cartridges, yeah. and also it's just more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and ink is expensive, it's especially if you print off. a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So instant <laughs> ink and Costco guys. Oops. Perfect. Excellent. This is fantastic. It's yeah. a great way to end <laughs> this segment. Yeah. We'll bring more shopping tips to you next time with Bianca Wynn. Talked a lot about Salem and. 
You guys should do ghost stories next time. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, can, we can get some, some campus ghost stories. Yeah. yeah. I have one. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's we'll save right. that for another Is it we'll do you, that for next week. You lived on campus and then? No, it was uh, in the so? concert hall, actually. <gasps> so. Oh, my gosh. I suppose we might as well. It's Halloween. We're going to do it now. We're not going to do this later. Yeah. No, I was in there all the time because I worked in the concert hall. I used to practice in there. I used to record people's bands and things, and there was always something funny. I always look would look up in the balcony, thought I heard something, thought I saw something, but, you know, and people talked about it, but, <laughs> oh, yeah, ghost, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then uh, one day I turned all the lights on, went in there, got my stuff set up. I played tuba. So I was sitting on stage practicing, and I know there was nobody in the room, and I went and turned the lights off, came back, and I was practicing in the dark, and I stopped for a second, and I heard, and I, I know this sound perfectly, the sound of someone standing up out of one of those chairs. So as the seat kind of goes back up into the upright position mm -hmm. and bounces a little bit. And then I heard footsteps walking off to the right, up the stairs in that little wing, and out the door. That is so that I is put so my horn crazy. down and like ran out the side door <laughs> and there was nobody in the hallway. And I I, I know what I heard. I know it was there. Wow. You, you forgot my, your horn. <laughs> yeah. That's my ghost story. So that is a great story. Yeah. And that's wow. actually in the hall right above this room. Directly above us. Yep. Oh, okay. That's that's pretty scary, though. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine, though, you know how, like, some universities, they have, like, ghost stories relating to the dorms? Yep. So I can't imagine living on campus and it's haunted. That would be really scary. <laughs> years ago, I used to hear stories about Fairfield. There was rumors about a ghost that lived yeah. upstairs in Fairfield. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's, I that's think when I it was ladies too. only. Students now don't believe me that that was a thing. <laughs> Except to, you'd go and sign in at the door, and then at, like, 11 o'clock, they'd come up and knock on the door, and all the men had to leave the building. So it felt like it was like the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. That was really a rule, though? Like, oh, yeah. Back it was, in the day? It, only women could live there. And you could only have male visitors until, I don't know if it was 10 or 11 o'clock or something oh, like that. Oh, right. Wasn't it because it was like a nursing school before it was um, WCSU? I think it was an all-women's nursing was it just school never, or something. It just, no, it it just was, was never co-ed. President yeah. Haas wanted to have a hall just for women. Yeah. And actually, when it was first built 100 years ago, it was just for women. Mm -hmm. When we were the normal their, school, yeah, yeah, and yeah, normal school for teachers, and only went, mainly only women went to school to be teachers. Right. If you're curious, and I'll plug this for Scott, mm -hmm. go on YouTube. There's a history of Westcon that was done about 20 years ago at the at the bicentennial. Yeah. No, the centennial. Mm -hmm. Hundred one hundred years. Centennial. Centennial. Yeah. Oh. It's about a 25 30 minute video that talks all about the history of Westcon. It's fascinating. Ooh, it's about okay. 20 years old, but that it was it was cool. really cool and it talks mm -hmm. about all that stuff about when the university started and who the students were and it's neat old main is there. It's it's cool. That's yeah. really interesting. I I didn't know um, that they only had like women dorms. Um, but I did know it was like an all women's school somehow like yeah. in the past. Mm -hmm. Um like but definitely yeah, it was the teacher's school. Yeah, so up until I think up until about 15 years ago, Fairfield Hall yes. was women only. Yes. So. Oh, that's interesting. Up to 15 years ago? Yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah, I graduated in 03, and it was still all women at that point. So it was a couple of years later, they opened it up to co-ed. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's actually not that long ago. No, it feels like, <laughs> like another <laughs> century, heck? right? You were born then. <laughs> I was born then, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, history of Westcon. History of Westcon. That video out. Do it. Yeah, we'll put a link in the uh, in the description oh, of the good idea of yeah. the, the podcast. Cool. All right. All right. We'll see you soon.
So this was an eclectic podcast. We had witchcraft with Dr. Leslie Lindenauer. We had shopping tips with Bianca Wynn. And you and I must have brought something to the table. I'm not sure what. Yeah. Old stories. Yeah. That's about it. That's all I got to offer at this point. The straight men, not straight guys. I'm not making any reference to LGBTQ. Uh, Straight men is like somebody in a... Uh, when two comedians that get together, one tells all the jokes, one is the uh, straight guy. Yeah, the guy the straight who takes, man. I'm kidding. I know. Yes. He leads up to all the jokes and doesn't get the laughs. Yes. So it's the the Dean Martin Jerry Lewis right. dynamic. <laughs> who were two old comedians back? Yeah. Uh, in the day. How many out of date references can we make? <laughs> Around the time of the Smothers Brothers. Bianca's face when I mentioned that Fairfield Hall was. Women only was so funny. It's like just watching her trying to process, and like it, that's it, right. just like because it does. It feels like it was a hundred years ago. Right. I recently like and I'll probably cut this for time, but I went to a conference up at Smith College last year, and it's so funny because they they talk about it. There's like there's a staircase that is the stairs are so close together it's hard to walk up because it was designed for the women who like couldn't walk up a normal flight of stairs. Like it's just it's bizarre. It's that so, is bizarre. And I, you know, ours, our, the dorm being that way wasn't, you know, for that reason or anything. It wasn't to protect the women from the evil men. You know, it wasn't anything strange like that. Or Actually, was it? It, it was. was. <laughs> <laughs> when the legislature approved the money to build Fairfield Hall as the first dorm on campus, the second building on campus, uh, legislators said, okay, we'll give you the money, but, uh, you know, it's a good place for. Families to send their girls so they won't be tempted by anything uh, out in the real world. These farm families are sending their young to women the big city. to the big city. Yeah, and we don't want them interacting with anything else. So there's going to be a moat filled with crocodiles <laughs> and an armed guard. Yeah. They had Ruth Haas who protected everybody. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and it, and it, again, it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. This isn't the 1700s we're talking about. This is No. <laughs> In the 50s and yeah, 60s, Ruth had ago. tea there every afternoon. Oh, that's awesome. And you had to dress up and wear white gloves. Yeah. Great. Yep. I love it. That's the history of WestCon, man. Watch it on YouTube. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put the link in the description. Scott will be happy. Good. We're killing a lot of birds here with... That's not a good You just can't stop stepping in it today. Everything you say is like, we're doing a lot of good stuff here with this podcast today. (laughs) There you go. Checking a lot of boxes. Yes. All right. All right. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Foldy. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at WCSU.edu. Thanks for listening.